Welcome to The Voice of Retail. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. Recorded live high above the Las Vegas sand in my Shop Talk 2022 pop-up recording studio. On this episode, I enjoy sitting down in person with fellow Rethink Retail top influencer and sought-after thought leader in the retail design and architecture space, Melissa Gonzalez. With a deep background, rich in experience and varied across industries, Melissa has been helping retailers think through everything from pop-up retail to modern store design and integration, curbside and BOPUS, for well over a decade. In a wide-ranging interview, we talk about the modern retail store's future, the metaverse's actual reality, and lessons learned from the conference stage, the Shop Talk event that brought us together. Typically, it's like we have to have it perfectly planned out and we have to do a pilot and we have to then roll it out in a staged way. And I think there's been a lot more nimbleness of let's just try stuff. And you Do you know, think the consumers are more forgiving and maybe that forgiveness is kind of waning I think a little they, bit? I think they were through COVID. You know? you know, I think you were, you know, you were just like we were in it together. Right. There's and a so, mission, right? There's there was a, a mission. Yeah. Melissa, welcome to the Voice of Retail podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful to see you in person. We've chatted on Remarkable Retail, but uh, we we were together last night for a networking thing, and I'm like, oh, I got to take this opportunity. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And we get to sit here straight from Shop Talk with this amazing view of the Vegas Strip. So (laughs) I'm I'm inspired already. (laughs) We're high above the desert sands as we we hang out. There we go. Viva Las Vegas. There we go. Um... Well, listen, uh, why don't we start at the beginning? Tell us, uh, tell listeners a bit about yourself, what you do for a living. Sure. So I am the CEO and founder of the Lioness Group. We are retail strategists, designers, and project managers helping brands in physical retail. I'm also a principal and shareholder of MG2, a global architecture firm that acquired the Lioness Group at the beginning of 2020, um, and really just serving as a design leader for the firm and always thinking about what's happening next. Where is the consumer going and how are we mm. designing experiences that are understanding less friction, delivering on points of gratification and really helping our clients, our brands and retailers elevate the in-store experience. And, and how did you get into this? Like were you growing up in sandbox, in a sandbox, you're trying to figure out how to reconfigure the playground. I mean, where did this all start for you? Where did you, uh, how yeah. did you wind up here? It's not a traditional path. Um, But I think a lot of us don't have traditional paths these days. Um, So prior to starting the Lioness Group, I actually used to work on Wall Street. I was in institutional equity sales. Um, While I was a generalist, I definitely had more of an affinity to retail stocks, Hmm. commerce companies, consumer brands, um, and probably less relevant, but maybe more relevant now, uh, alternative energy stocks. So that was, um, and then I was also producing independent films, um, and I was a VJ on a show on BET. <laughs> Come on, that's awesome. So it was definitely this push-pull in all aspects. I was a storyteller in different ways, um, but I really loved to be uh, pursue something more creative. At the time, I thought that meant I'm going to be a famous actress, and I soon realized I hated auditioning, so that probably wasn't going to go well. Hmm. Um, and I had this serendipitous opportunity with a family that owned real estate in Midtown Manhattan at the time, They had street-level real estate, and they said, hey, we want to do something different, and do you want to experiment with us? And so there I went and embarked on my first experiment in physical retail with brands, and it kept evolving from there. Well, you're, you're, I guess, a bit bit of the definition of accidental career, right? Retail is often described as an accidental career. I didn't start out being a retailer either. I just wound up there and loved it and and stuck around. Uh, Well, like you said, we're at Shop Talk. 
Uh, which is great to be here in Vegas. Now, as you, as you, you know, what are we on Tuesday? You've been do, talking to lots of people, mm-hmm. hearing lots of things. Any themes coming out? Prizes? Anything you're hearing that surprises you, or themes that are like um, prominent in your in your mind as you as you reflect on the past day and a half? For sure. I don't know if I've found surprises. I mean, definitely metaverse is top of mind for a lot of people. But I think. I'm happy to hear conversations around the recognition of like that's not 100 percent what the world's going to become. Do you, th- I, do you think about the metaverse in your context? Because your, your context is understanding physical. design and layout and physical. But do you do you do you say, you know I'm a bit of a metaverse skeptic. I'm like I'm so like, am I. I'm, I'm like <laughs> I think it's a hustle a little bit. Um, and I also think you know when I talk to retailers, they're like I'm just concerned that my associates don't get run over in the parking lot doing you know curbside. I'm focused on that right now. Yeah, you know so. Yeah. I guess the, one of the functions of these conferences, you get to think about farther out and kind of keep touch on that. So, you know, do you, is that the, how you're seeing the, the metaverse? Yeah. It's interesting. So I think the metaverse's purpose and the way it will be most successful is utilizing it as a tool to further immerse brands mm. and um, immerse consumers in the lifestyle of a brand. You're creating these virtual worlds. You can go on this creative journey together. Um, it could help you understand uh, the way products are contextualized and environments in a different way. Hmm. But I do think at the end of the day, but like we will want the physical product. I don't believe that we're going to spend all of hmm. our money in a fake world and own nothing in real life. Yeah. So I think that's where there is an opportunity. When we think of where we sit in physical retail, I think that there's a lot of there's a gap also in in what the level of sophistication in what a volume of the environments look like. They mm. feel very tacky. They feel very... So I think from a design architecture standpoint, there's a big opportunity for those who... Look, when we design stores, we're building 3D models. Right. And right. so how are you... Yeah, you start, in the, you start in the metaphysical when you're in doing some these stores, ways, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Right? And then we bring it to fruition. So um, I think there is an opportunity in bridging those closer together so that these virtual world, worlds, you know, they are coming from an informed place of... Yeah. what the physical world really would be. So I think that that's an opportunity. There, Not detached but, from reality, so to speak, exactly. but detached from reality in yeah, some ways, right? Exactly. Um, but, you know, the top, a lot of the conversations here, I would say, are uh, probably overly skewed to having just e-commerce digital conversations. I think that they're important conversations, rapid growth. The pandemic has definitely accelerated a lot of that adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think that we still have to pull it back and have the physical digital conversation a little bit more. Mm. I think there's a lot of great content here doing that. But if you walk the show floor and yeah. you talk, you see a lot of the themes that are being talked about. So for me, the opportunity is how are we really thinking holistically, taking those insights? Um, there's a lot of amazing retail tech companies here. Obsess, who's in Metaverse, Fit mm. Match, which is in you know Body Fit, um, Narvar, which is in Returns, uh, uh Trove, which is in circular commerce, like there's a lot of great tech here, but how are we marrying all that information we're learning Hmm. um, and bringing that into the in-store experience too? Or how do we, how does that continue to inform the purpose of the store and the opportunity of the in-store experience? And you're on the stage later this afternoon, you're interviewing, you're you're hosting uh, someone from Macy's and a few other folks. Talk about uh, your session that's coming up. Yeah. The, by the time people will be listening to this, it's your session past. But what are you going to be talking about so on we're, stage? Yeah, we're talking about redefining the physical retail experience. And so there's Mark, um, who's you know, head of stores at Macy's. Um, they're going to they're unveiling some exciting updates there. I think the world's been watching them closely for a few years yeah. now to see what's <laughs> They are 
know. They are the under the they are under the spotlight yeah. pretty much every day for sure. So the, the evolution of what they're doing, and I do think that they um, they are marrying physical and digital in exciting ways. So it'll be exciting to see what that translates to in the in store experience. Also, we have Antonio Nieves from Interior Define, really smart about. Mm. Um, how to use data, and how does that inform their physical retail strategy? Where to go? What's the right square footage? What you know? Um, how you merchandise, etc. And then Foxtrot, which is a really interesting um, concept, marrying kind of like specialty grocery with retail huh. with community experiences. So it's a diverse panel. Um, and we're, we're going to be talking about physical retail. You're going to have some fun wrangling in that conversation. I right? don't know I mean, how we're going to stay on time. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as I think about retail today after the past couple of years, I think about it going in two different but complementary directions. One is experiential retail, really. It, you know, if you're going to be, given everyone and so much shopping online, if you're going to have physical retail, it better be Remarkable, as Steve Dennis yes. would say. And at the same time, I see retail is really focusing on the practical integration of e-commerce. How do we do it well? So these two things, and it could, you know, it's as much as, you know, fixing curbside. And you know, everyone stood curbside up pretty quickly, but now, you know, in Canada, for example, here, you know, it's bad weather, right? It's great for the customers. It's freezing and it's snowing, but for the associates, they're trudging through the snow in carts. You see the same thing. Like there's these two complementary but different focuses. How do I? What, do I, what does a store look like physically, mm-hmm. both to reduce any friction, and what does it look like to be on that other spectrum, to be sure. interesting and experiential? Yeah, I mean, the store really has to double duty a lot to be yeah. a point of a discovery and a point of fulfillment. There's a lot more conversation and investment in more modular design, so the store has the agility to do that mm-hmm. in, in a more seamless way. Um, but some of it is just also understanding there's opportunities around points of fulfillment, moments that could otherwise be transactional moments, but are still brand moments. So we've actually done a decent amount of research. We've done a couple of consumer surveys to further understand the points of gratification that we can deliver upon when it comes to fulfillment. Hmm. So, um, And that informs the footprint that it needs in the space. It informs how you staff it, and, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. there's okay, I place an order ahead of time. There's opportunity in that too because now the store associates should know your interest of what you've write. Yeah. There's opportunity maybe to geofence the area as you're approaching based on what you bought. Here's what we have in the store today. Here's where mm. we're having deals. Here's a mm. recommendation I could make. Um, but also, what is that that experience? It's having the space, you know, per the results we got, having the space to actually unbox maybe Um Making sure that we can discard the cardboard in a oh, environmentally friendly that's way. If it's apparel, making it really easy right there to try it on, so that if it's not a fit, you can return it seamlessly, mm. get that money right back in your pocket, which is also a benefit to the retailer. Yeah. Um, and, and so aspects of that, maybe it's demoing the product, whatever it is. They, they, you have to think about why people are turning to technology, and it's for convenience and mm. efficiency. And so how are we adding those aspects to it so that no matter what it is, you're sending the message to your customer, we are in service of you. Yeah, it's a great discussion because I think of it as there's so many different opportunities and also different paths, right? So some someone just trip assurance, as I would call it. I just want to make sure it's there. And yeah. so I'm going to do a curbside. I could easily go in the store. I'm not in a hurry. I just want to make sure it's there. And then there's others who are just, you know, I'm in a real hurry. 
to get something. And I feel like this cross-sell, upsell opportunity, I've always felt it's underutilized by many retailers. You're here to buy something. Hey, would you, you know, would you like fries with that kind of thing, right? Do you think there'll be more of that? coming and and how do you see that who who do you think is doing a great job doing that i mean i think there's opportunities with it i think that the trick is going to be um it can't not it cannot feel like spam so the that's where we lean on data too right Mm -hmm. and and the opportunity of personalization around it right it's going to feel very different if the messaging to you is um you know i know you you're here I'm telling you this because it's going to benefit you. Right, right. Right? Versus like, oh, we have deals going on because yeah. you've hit our parking lot. You know, it doesn't. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> we have beach balls on sale right, today. Would you like a beach ball? It's not the same. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's about getting the messaging right, mm. not over messaging, um, and it feeling really purposeful and beneficial. So I do think there's opportunities of it. And I think there's opportunities because if I've ordered it online, then you should be able to leverage my online customer profile. Yeah. And so you think we'd be, I almost think we'd be farther ahead than this now. Right. I mean, I was talking about this when I launched Hudson's Bay in 2000, we were talking about this, these kind of things. But I think, I think we're now at the point of inflection where there's enough data and the tech companies have caught up. And then I think it's also cultural too, that there's a lot more acceptance of, we just can't generate more traffic. We need to really optimize the traffic that's coming to the stores. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have to lean into what's going to build customer loyalty. Yeah. And as you look back at the past two years, it's been described by many as a great acceleration. It feels like there wasn't a lot of innovation that happened in the past two years. But I, I'm very positive there's a lot of innovation to come. Did you see anything that jumped out at you that was innovative during the COVID era? Or, you know, I think a lot of retailers are either on the chasing goods or just fulfilling the goods as opposed to trying to innovate. But in the background, it feels like a lot of them were thinking pretty hard about it. What do you- I mean, I think those that were already making that investment benefited the most, like Target for right. is a perfect right. example of that. And they were already making strategic acquisitions yeah. right, from a fulfillment standpoint. And They're already thinking so well ahead that when it accelerated, they were almost... Yeah, they were positioned, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. And what I do think, though, is you saw a lot uh, shift in cultural mentality of you know, typically it's like we have to have it perfectly planned out and we have to do mm. a pilot and we have to then roll it out in a staged way. And I think there's been a lot more nimbleness of let's just try stuff. And you Do you know, think the consumers are more forgiving and maybe that forgiveness is kind of waning I think a little they, bit? I think they were through COVID. You know? you know, I think you were, you know, you were just like we were in it together. Right. There's and a so, mission, right? There's there was a, bit, a mission. Yeah. Um, we're coming out of that. So mm. I think that forgiveness will dissipate evaporate pretty quickly (laughs) um but yeah i mean we all learned to finally use qr codes together i never thought i'd see those come back the way they like the ugly little thing and then now they're part they're the biggest part of our life ever it's crazy right right Right. because we were forced you know Mm. to adopt and and i i think you know (laughs) it's funny i was uh, uh driving one evening um i used to live in hoboken and there was a lot of outdoor dining that was you know through COVID, a lot of the restaurants brought seating outside and it started pouring rain. And instead of people clearing their seats, they just opened umbrellas and sat there and they're like, they were going to eat outside. It was going to happen. No matter what happens. And I thought this is a powerful moment of showing Mm. like Mm. what we can do. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It was the simplest thing, but pre COVID, everybody would have ran inside. Right. Nobody would have sat through that. Right. And here they learned how to adapt. Mm. And so I think that is the opportunity in retail is we've we've been behind as a as a as a country, right? If you think about mobile adoption and the way in which mm-hmm. we've used mobile payments and the way we right. And so yeah. um because that adoption is becoming like more 
uh, innate behavior of us, then it's opening mm. the opportunities for brands and retailers. And not just how we intersect with retail and a QR code. It's the way we... Um, smart home technology, mm. speaking to Alexa. Mm. Um, Mavi just raised almost $2 million to bring shopping in your dashboard in your car. Like right. we are, be- you check into this hotel mobile ahead of time with your digital key. Yeah. You, there's no, you, I mean, when's the last time you got a physical ticket for the airlines? Right. Like this is new behaviors. So mm. as we're shifting these behaviors, A, we're expecting that fluidity to continue in all aspects of our life, but B, it, it brings down the friction mm. point of, some of the hurdles of inter, um, integrating technology is, will the customer do it? If it has to change their existing behavior, mm-hmm. it's a lot more difficult. But yeah. if it's enhancing their existing behavior, then it's easier. Yeah. Such a great point because really the, um, the COVID year was this giant circuit breaker on customer behavior, right? I mean, we can't not think about I don't think we understand it yet, but you can't go through two years of that dramatic change of habits, right? I had one... Uh, person describe it to me is like your you know, consumer habits are like a declining asset on your balance sheet what they did before and that has always been true but now even more so so i guess it's both risk and opportunity right i mean sure. the, the the risk is people have changed you better catch up or the opportunity is people are finally ready for what we think could be the future right mm-hmm. so let's let's talk about advice for the retailers listening so and i'm going to frame it in two starts and one stop okay so based on everything you know, things your conversations you're having, questions you're being asked by your clients, uh, two things retailers should start thinking about or start doing, and one thing they should probably leave behind. I mean, they <laughs> they should start. Well, I've said what they should stop doing. They should stop worrying about perfection, uh, okay. and they should experiment, and they should have that fail fast mentality. Yeah. And when they get that complaint from one or two customers, they should just say, okay, that's just lesson. Because, you know, I've been in that, you know, you get one complaint from one customer and it's like, stop everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's going on? But really yeah. a little more, a little more tenacity, would we describe it? Yeah, you know? I think so. Um, so that's one. Um, and then, so start doing one, just break down the silos internally mm. So I think the the silos between sales and marketing have become broken down, and that's like one and the same in a conversational standpoint. But I think internally, there's a digital team, there's a physical retail team. Mm. Everybody has to be talking. The IT team, just more collaborative, strategic conversations and look at the roadmap together so that as you're trying to put these initiatives forward, it's not all these competing agendas. Yeah to decide what's prioritizing. Because at the end of the day, it has to be what's going to be best for the consumer that you're serving. Hmm. That's the lens. That kind of the relentless focus will will take you to that North Star of where you're going, right? Yeah, exactly. And and as you think about design and, and, you know, leaning on your your background and as you think about art, what are the the things that retailers should be paying attention to? Um, You know, there's Mm -hmm. store flow and there's different ways that stores are organized and retailers, you know, I think on the one hand, they want to make in-store pickup really easy and put it at the front. But then the other side of the operator say, yeah, but then we never get that basket size. We never get that full basket. We never, we lose the opportunity that we haven't had of impulse shopping that we've lost for two years, right? Right. My my experience with consumers are very mission-oriented. I know what I want. I'm getting in the store. I'm getting the heck out. Mm -hmm. Now we're like, okay, let's get them into the store because we've got wonderful stuff they may not have seen. How do you balance those two, and, and what's, what's your kind of advice yeah. on that? I mean, I think it's what is the purpose of the store? Um, and if you're always asking yourself that question, mm. first of all, not every location, there's scalability, right? Usually yeah. when you're doing a rollout, you need to have scalability so you've created 
um, a design that you're going to roll out. But sure. it doesn't mean you can't have a tiered approach. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't do the analysis mm. of understanding that every geography isn't the same. Um, the opportunity in different markets aren't the same. Some are flagship opportunities. Some are local opportunities. Some mm. are temporary opportunities. And so if you think more holistically about it, then you can be more intentional about the experiences you create mm. in those different geographies. And mm. so sometimes it might be more of a service hub and right. it is about getting people in and out. And that could still be a great brand experience. Mm. And other times, maybe it's about building community. Maybe it's about experiential. And so it's like really understanding the purposes that you want to serve so that you can unlock that higher lifetime value with your customers. So I think that's one, it's a big challenge to yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think that it's important. And then when it comes to design, that's where modularity is really helpful. There are probably key times of the year where you probably have much higher volume from a fulfillment standpoint, holidays being one of them. Mm -hmm. So there are kind of inherent key times of the year where the store needs to just be more efficient right. and the consumer just wants to be more efficient. Yeah. And so if you can create the footprint to be truly agile and modular in design, then you mm. can flex right. you know, how that exists. And I think just talk to your customers too. Mm. Like, I, I, you know, nobody wants to take a 20 minute survey, but there are probably opportunities right. in three questions or just stuff yeah. you can Drip ask. irrigation method, right? Yeah. One question at a time or two questions just at a time. Just learn, just continue yeah. to learn. If you understand the reason why they're ordering ahead, you said it's because you don't want to waste your time to go to a store and they don't have it in stock. Right. But that doesn't mean you're not willing to go inside. Yeah. And then there's going to be others like, no, I don't even want to get out of my car. Right. So give them the option if you can. Mm. And yes, that's an operational challenge for sure. But as you have those insights and you have the right tech tools in place so that it can inform and, you know, then you can utilize those um, as tools to help you think through, okay, how am I shifting my operational strategy in the store? All right. Well, listen, great insight. So great to have you on the mic. So great to, again, yeah. see you in person. How can the listeners get a hold of you or learn more or keep up with what you're, um, what you're talking about? Um, well, I'm probably the most active on LinkedIn, right. so you can always follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Melissa Gonzalez, or the Lioness Group, or MG2. Um, and then I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, but probably not as much as LinkedIn. <laughs> All right. Well, fellow Rethink uh, influencers, so yes. it's great to have you uh, at the table. We've got such a fun group going on there. And, and thanks again for joining me on the Voice of Retail podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning into this special episode of The Voice of Retail. If you haven't already, be sure and click and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so new episodes will land automatically twice a week. And check out my other retail industry media properties, The Remarkable Retail Podcast, Conversations with Commerce Next Podcast, and The Food Professor Podcast with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. Last but not least, if you're into barbecue, check out my all-new YouTube barbecue show, Last Request Barbecue, with new episodes each and every week. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, president of Emmy LeBlanc Company and Maven Media. And if you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn or visit my website at emmyleblanc.co. Have a safe week, everyone. Music